It's series three of the Artists in Residence podcast and we are chuffed to have you with us. Last series we spoke to the likes of It's Nice That Senior Editor, the co-founder of Inner City Swim Club Swim Dem Crew and the filmmaker behind the remake of Christina Aguilera's iconic beautiful music video about what it meant to them to use creativity for good as well as to share real examples of how people are acting on those good ideas and turning them into action. My name is Isabel Wilkinson and I started this project as a way to personally answer some big questions I had about creativity, problem solving, art and who creative opportunities are available to. My goal is to bring people together to share their ideas and work together to drive forward solutions to the big issues affecting people and the planet. When it comes to the hardest questions, consider this your invitation to join the table and create answers, because together we can all be artists in residence. Kieran Thapper is a writer, an author and youth worker who brings all of those things together to create change and leave things better than he found them. In 2021, he published his first book, Cut Short which tells the stories of young people living in London, violence and the loss that some of them have experienced. Most recently, he's launched a substack called All City, which he describes as a solution to the frustrations he's been feeling as a highly experienced and accomplished freelance writer. In this episode, Kieran shared his thoughts on creativity, how he found writing initially as a form of therapy, his experience of writing and publish a book during the pandemic, the future vision for the All City substack community, and his advice for anyone listening who wants to start working on creating their own art. If you enjoy this one, do pick up a copy of Cut Short and let us know how you find it. Cheers. So my name is Kieran Thapper. I'm a, I'm a youth worker and an author. And I do those things, I guess, kind of in equal measure, I would say, and have done for... Um, several years I guess more broadly I've been a writer but since my books come out I get to call myself an author which is nice um, and often like my youth work involves uh, literature writing creative expression and my writing involves sort of youth culture youth work practice education um, so there's a there's a lot of fluidity between the two roles and I kind of even consider them the same thing in some ways and yeah, my book's called Cut Short, which is a story about my youth work in South London across five years before the pandemic, basically. It finishes in the pandemic. Um, I do lots of different things now. Um, education consultancy. I do youth work in schools, prisons, crews, uh, which is mostly trying to get young people to open up using uh, creative writing. And I write journalism about youth culture, music culture on my new newsletter called All City, which is on Substack. Amazing. Thank you. And we'll come on to your writing and, and, and how that connects with your youth work and, and how it's manifested. But I have to first ask you the question I ask everyone, which is what does creativity mean to you? I think creativity, like w- without a doubt, I um, I express myself best in words. And that is probably talking as well as as writing and I suppose that the, maybe the difference between those two things in general like or although I guess that doesn't apply to this this podcast because it's getting recorded is that words are a way of like scribing a momentary feeling or thought or um, analysis or something that you can sort of give a snapshot of a, of a moment in time whereas words are kind of I'm I'm always having conversations and talking and expressing myself as as 
the days continue. And I think I feel like those are the two kind of ways I see my creative creativity. I I like to think I take good pictures, but I'm not probably a very good photographer. I'm not a painter. I I I don't make music, but yeah, words and and writing are the are the way that I kind of express myself. So creativity in terms of the the medium means that. And I guess it's worth maybe just exploring the word itself, which is that I see my writing as in my my creativity as my way of kind of making sense of reality. I think it helps me to remember things. It helps me to create distance from experiences that I've had so I can make sense of them. And it helps me to communicate and connect with people. So there's just so much potential in creativity in general. And I'm always trying to seek new ways of finding it as well. But it's kind of quite focused in in writing and words. And how did you find writing? Like, do you have a moment where you, you suddenly were like, this is what, you know, I'm good at? Or at what point did you kind of, I guess, associate with being a writer? Yeah, I do have a moment. I mean, maybe there's a couple of moments. There's a moment of of knowing that I was good at writing and that English literature was something that I was strong at which I guess is kind of conventional just at school. I mean, if I'm going to be honest, there was a specific moment leading up to my GCSEs where I just got this, it just all clicked and I just became obsessed with voraciously reading and writing notes in regards to like preparing for my GCSE in English literature. And it's like, it it sounds maybe a bit, I don't know, it sounds kind of like quite formal that in that way, but I, I looking back on it, it was really just like, I just found making sense of the word. I had, I had a really good teacher who I remember to this day and credit for engaging me properly. Um, so that was a moment intellectually, like academically, that I, I, I guess I before then I'd just seen English as a subject that you just study because you have to. But at that moment it was, oh, actually I'm getting good at this. And then I ended up, you know, excelling in it and doing well and, and getting good feedback, et cetera. So I guess that's, that's a, a, an early moment in terms of ability. In terms of a bit more like just life, um, at university, during my second year at university, I went to the University of Bristol and um, I had a really fun time, but also, like a lot of people do at university, struggled with my mental health, um, overindulged, felt quite lost. There were various things going on in my life and family and stuff. So I retook my year. And at the moment, I started, I, I decided to retake my year, which I felt a lot of shame about. But I, I kind of took, I created these two plans for trying to get me through that, that process. And the two things were I started boxing. So I was, I was really into fitness and stuff already, but I started boxing and that was a whole journey that I went on, which was really good. And then I started writing a daily diary. And so the diary was actually kind of like a therapeutic space for me to just write stuff down every single day, how I felt, what I'd seen, observations. And I did that every single day for six months. And then I threw the diary away as a sort of ritual of overcoming this difficult period. But I'd kind of become addicted to it by then. So I just cracked on and carried on doing it. Yeah, that was another moment that turned into me writing a blog, which turned into me, I guess, getting confident with like sharing my words with just a small network of people in my in my friendship group and at uni and stuff. And then that turned into I pitched a few little things to online magazines and as that grew I, I guess the, the writing grew and the vision grew and I and I it just was something that came alongside everything else I was doing which eventually would be youth work. 
Which brings us on nicely to my next question, which is going to be, so how you've mentioned that you use your writing within your youth work, but how did that bit of the journey begin? Did you have a clear vision that you wanted to be a youth worker who wrote about your experiences and the experiences of the people that you were working with, or did that happen more naturally? There's a lot that happened naturally, and I would it would be disingenuous to say I planned it all because I, I could not have predicted all of this at all. But I guess I was always, because I'd already had that practice of writing stuff every day my lived experience of doing things of feeling things of meeting people of being sociable and reading a lot and listening to lots of music and it was just a, a natural process that I write stuff in my diary at the, at the beginning or end of each day which as a skill bleeds into things like emailing it bleeds into things like public speaking it meant that I was able to pitch certain ideas and Maybe, maybe write cover letters in a particular way. And I ended up doing a master's in political philosophy at um, LSE, political theory specifically. And during that year, I, I specifically had had like chosen for, chosen to, to study that as a subject, as a way of having a year of returning to intellectual study and, and having space to really think harder about what I wanted to do because I started working in advertising and I find it very jarring intellectually um, and really I did it just to earn some money to sort of figure out the next steps but in my year at LSE I started mentoring a boy called Jamar and I just suddenly realized I was really good at mentoring like and it was it was something that I cared a lot about um, in terms of my social politics and my beliefs in responsibility and and it actually allowed me to use words and lyrics and connect with him about um, rap and literature and stuff like that so I used all of that I just threw all of that into the mentoring process and I used that experience to apply to loads of education jobs which then got me placed in schools I started volunteering in my local community center in Brixton and that kind of was how it all started so it was I didn't I didn't plan all of that at all I had an idea of wanting to do something meaningful um, and have an impact on society and I found it through that experience and was just writing the whole time alongside it mostly in private but occasionally pitching things when I when I thought they were good enough the the, the whole thing I just described is basically the beginning of Cut Short my book so that's how that, that starts so you published Cut Shaw in 2021 and it features the story of Jamar as well as others. How was that process for you of writing that book? And I guess publishing it too, because I think we always focus on the writing of the book, but publishing a book is quite a wild experience too and putting it out in the world and promoting it. How, how did you find that? It was a crazy experience, not least to do in a pandemic. <laughs> doing anything in a pandemic was you know everyone had their own version of madness and my version was that I was writing and publishing my first book writing it looking back on it it was a kind of out-of-body experience because I literally wrote it in the summer of 2020 so it was in the height of Covid mm. and it was a blessing and a curse because the blessing was that I just I was indoors so I had nothing else to do and I, I was telling a story that had already happened so I was just tunnel vision trying to get it finished the curse was that I guess in terms of my mental health and my like immersion into the text which I think was necessary to make it what it was and it wouldn't be what it was what it is now without that immersion other areas of my life I guess you could say I, I suffered in terms of my relationships and 
my ability to be present with other people. So I think it was swings and roundabouts, but we got through it and produced something that I'm really proud of. Mm. That was the actual like putting pen to paper in terms of writing the, the the text, but obviously the collaborative process of writing it with all these different voices was a blessing. Very tiring and stressful as well, because it's a big responsibility to like work with especially vulnerable young people um, to try and tell their story. So all the sort of safeguarding and all of the um, making sure that it was done ethically and, and properly was rightfully a challenge, um, but something that I consider a blessing and has armed me really well now for, for like powerful storytelling. The publishing process after it was finished was super interesting. I could talk about it for a long time. The, the main thing I guess I would say is that I didn't, I went into it very blind and you don't know all of this, all of the, all of the different tiny details that are involved in putting out a book, especially one that's quite, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have a big publisher. It's published by Penguin. And I think sometimes the, the curse of that is that you, they just, they're, they're doing it every day. So they're just going through the motions. But for me, it was like the biggest thing in my life ever. So I needed, and I'm someone that likes having every single thing justified and explained. So it was a lot, a lot to take on, a lot to learn. Deciding on the cover was a whole several months of stress. Yeah, trying to get the right people to, to sort of co-sign it, all this, all that sort of stuff. And then actually putting it out in a world that does not probably want to read a book about public health when they've just gone through a pandemic. Mm. So the book, just in the, the very nature of the book and the release of it changed a lot due to the pandemic because I think it basically made it harder to encourage people to to engage with it. So it's been a longer term project, which has been a challenge again, but I've actually like, in hindsight, kind of everything happens for a reason. I've enjoyed it as well. For anyone who is going to hear about Cut Shop for the first time listening to this, what's the one thing you want them to take away from reading the book? What's the action you want them to take or what's the message that you most want them to carry with them? Whenever I've spoken about Cut Shaw, I kind of, there's a continuum of people that could read the book and get something from it in a different way, I think, I, I hope. And there has been like such a wide range of people that have read it and given me like positive feedback and it's been really amazing. But I, I always talk about like two ends of a spectrum, two camps that I think are kind of extra special or I wrote it with them consciously in mind. And one end of the spectrum is for teenagers and young people who feel represented by the world that it presents, a world that is for many hidden and not voiced in mainstream literature. Part of my work now is going into schools and crews and engaging with young people um, so that I can actually show them the book, talk to them about it, maybe read a bit with them, see what they think and how they respond. Um, and and I've, increasingly there are more youth workers and teachers who are doing a similar thing, which is like a beautiful process to see because I kind of, it becomes a, a resource, the book becomes a resource for young people. So I hope that it's finding resonance amongst, you know, like the cohort that it, it talks about basically and it engages with. So like 14, 15 year olds to people in their early twenties. That's the first camp. And then the second camp is essentially people that feel motivated to try and make change in their own life that benefits society, even if it's just starting to volunteer or mentor or just changing a little habit that they have to try and give themselves to a social action. 
um, because obviously part of the motivation of writing my story is that just by signing up to mentor Jamar, that has basically created this whole world of opportunity for me and him. And it's been a collaboration ever since. And I, I hope that there are adults that find their own version of doing that off the back of reading the book. Um, so it is, it, there's lots of different things in between those two camps, but yeah, they're the they're two ends of the spectrum, I think that I hope we'll get to from it. And you recently launched a Substack, so it's called All City, and you describe it as like the diary of a youth worker from the pen of an author. So tell us about why you launched All City and the kind of work that you are going to showcase there. It's crazy hearing you say that back to me because this is the first time I've been interviewed about it. So props to you for yeah um, asking me about it. Thank you. One of the big realizations, epiphanies, frustrations, transition periods that you could say I've reached in my writing career is that I'm frankly sick of pitching, getting rejected, having my work chopped up by editors who don't understand it, who underpay me for the work I'm putting into it, who don't listen, who change their mind. Just the whole experience of being a freelance writer has exhausted me. Mm. It's given me a lot of tools and it's given me a lot of great experience. And I've actually developed a lot of very positive relationships with editors, with other writers, etc. So I'm grateful and I've learned a lot along the way, but I've just got to a stage now in terms of my age, my career stage, I've written a book and I'm an author now. So I understand how to tell long form stories and to really go deep into these things. And I, I know what my worth is. So at the end of 2022, I just sort of stopped and reflected because I had this particularly like stressful experience writing a piece. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this again. I need, and it, and it was in by complete coincidence, I guess these things happen for a reason. I got introduced to someone at Substack who basically just like it was put on my radar I'd obviously already knew about Substack but it was the actual like mechanism that they're trying to achieve is super interesting and kind of basically responds to the exact problem I've reached which is that I've got a lot to say I want to own my words I want to I've got an audience but I, I don't have a central place for them to find my work um so it was all those things coming together really and me I started planning it and um and launched it at the beginning of this year and it's going really well um, the next piece is this. I've, I've basically put out a new story about youth culture, city life and social change. Um, anything in between those issues, really. But I guess you could say the issues, the, the stuff I've explored so far is like the intersections of music and criminal justice, because those are, those are kind of areas of specialism that I'm working on at the moment. Um, there's another story that comes out today. I, do, I put them out every Thursday. Yeah, it's just it's going really well. You can you can subscribe. Um, there's an option to pay for your subscription if you want to sort of help me to try and get it off the ground sustainably. Um, but people can get the stories for free every Thursday if they sign up for free. And the idea is that later in the year I'm going to launch some slightly more involved content for paid subscribers, which will help them to. It's basically like an extension of my teaching of, of writing. I teach a course at City University called Writing for Social Impact. And I'm going to turn that into basically a column that people can access and pay for so they can people can have weekly prompts for their own writing practice. Um, so that's a, that's a kind of summary of, of the vision. It's still super fresh and new, um, but it's going well. And it's just yeah, given me a lot of liberation and a lot of strength, actually, because it's ended up getting picked up. Like the, I had a piece 
that I put out and then the Guardian published it. And then the piece that's going out today is getting published in the Guardian next week. So it's like, I feel like it's the best of both worlds now because I get to write it on my own terms and it still goes out in publications and I get paid to do that. So yeah, Wall City is the new vision and I have to give props to Substack because I think what they're doing is very interesting for someone like me. And that was going to be my next question was how do you hope that the Substack works with you know the kind of paid commissions with the pitching process that you've been doing in your writing career so far but I guess hopefully you know this <laughs> the last two examples are are the hope going forward so that you'll still get them picked up by mainstream press as well. Yeah exactly I mean basically the base level is that I'm putting this cool thing out of my my Substack and I'm really happy and excited about that. So that kind of anything beyond that is a bonus. And I think when in life I've I've learned, and again, this comes with age and experience, when you create something in, you know, creatively, when you put something out and you don't force it, like I'm not trying to pitch this to anyone really. I'm like, I'm writing this. If you want to publish it, you go for it. If not, I don't care. <laughs> so it comes from a position of strength rather mm. than desperation. And I think I was coming from this place of like, I need people to publish my words. I need people to, you know, to listen to me. I need, I need a space that will spread, spread my vision and spread my writing and my name and stuff. And, and that was just hustling and trying to make it as a writer, which everyone has to go through. But I think what Substack now is allowing me as an author or someone with a, an existing audience with a bit more experience to do is pull back and just do my thing. And, you know, invest, I've invested a bit of savings into the time it's taking me to do these things into like paying collaborators so that it looks super slick so that like a publication doesn't just put my words out with this ridiculous headline and a photo that I didn't have any input into yeah and then that's the what people see you know stuff like that which is just drives me wild and now I've got complete control over it and it's 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 nice like because I, I think you know, it's, I haven't achieved it yet, but I think the way that it's going is that I, I hope by the end of 2023, the vision is basically to, to make it so that I'm earning a sort of mini salary from churning out this content and I'm getting quicker and quicker at writing again, um, like I was a few years ago. So it's all kind of coming into place, but it's still early doors. It's basically like autonomy, I guess is the word, autonomy, independence, confidence, um so until we go back to talking about creativity i think it's really like it's as soon as you free yourself from the sort of free yourself from the robotic system of having to like go through pitching and stuff like that which i'm still doing a bit but only with certain under certain very specific circumstances once you free yourself from that i think it's liberating for your creativity so that's now what i'm enjoying i think gradually i mean they're they're all big words aren't they autonomy confidence creativity and and it's so amazing to hear that you think that that is the way forwards for you in that. I guess my final question is for someone out there who is maybe much, much earlier in their career, someone who's got a really good idea or something they passionately believe in changing or can see a, a different way of thinking about, but they don't know where to start with it. What's your advice for them on kind of putting the first foot forwards? I think that maybe there's two things <clears throat> a, a sort of, inward and outward thing to do because I, I think they work together and that's what I've done and neither of them are easy and I also want to like be clear that I exist as like a middle-class man 
who's been put through certain schooling and degrees with a very stable family life and relationship. And then there's just a lot of circumstantial factors in my life that have allowed me to have the stability to take risks. And I always want to be like super clear about that. So I'm not trying to say that this is easy for anyone. And I think other people are going to have it more harder than me inevitably, which is why I kind of I do the work I do in terms of, you know, social impact, spreading, spreading the load, et cetera. But as a general principle, I think working on your practice in private relentlessly is the way to go because eventually you carve out like what I teach in my in my writing course writing for social impact is that if you just if you just focus on this one specialism that you are the only person in the world that can write about then eventually you become the expert on that issue and you know when i wrote my first article about like grime music and politics when i was 22 you know it's nearly a decade ago i could never i'm now writing these huge pieces about like <laughs> drill music and politics and about social change you know it's the next generational sound but it all started because i like basically tried to carve out this lane of someone that could write about politics and music with with equal strengths and the space in between them and it's just really trying to find your trying to find your space and own it and i think practicing that you know in my instance it's, it's writing a diary but it's also doing so much work to and this goes into the sort of outward facing work which is early on in my career i relentlessly dm'd emailed took people for coffees um tried to get on people's radars you you know you have to be a bit shameless in 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 this game i think and and i part of me being younger and just more care, careless means that I put myself out there more more than I maybe would now but I do think that there was a lot of good that came from that and a lot of really like uh, there are mentors that I have now that came from that process you know I'm still very good friends with with various writers someone like Dan Hancocks for example um, one of the best sort of uh, the if I'm going to talk about music and politics and the space in between them he's probably like the goat of that in, in generationally um, he was someone that I grew up reading the writing of and then I asked you know I sent him one of my pieces and said can I take you for a coffee and he and I did and then we're, we're still good friends to this day you know he's been a really strong mentor to me so I just think and that that also came with you know that was one email or one message of success that came with out of 10 that came with nine failures so it's just being being quite relentless and and um consistent with both this like private idea of practicing your your craft and, and owning your subject and then also putting yourself out there um you know messaging people that you admire you might get rejected or ignored but that's just part of the process and it's not personal i think giving up is the only way you can not achieve so I, I don't give up basically i really appreciate both sides of that because i guess that's i i think we always get this advice that's you know work at your craft work at your craft and you know we're human beings like we do crave reward we crave kind of uh, praise and feedback and so I think it's really important to have that second side of it which is speaking to the people that you admire too and as you say for every one yes there's going to be nine no's but that one yes is really worth it when you speak to the person that you've always admired their work so I really appreciate the the, the thoughtfulness of of that answer no no problem it's, it's just yeah it's super important and I, yeah, you're completely right that um, I actually think that the the one out of 10 that what, that converts 
is only that special because you've got the nine rejections. If you just, if, if all of your emails connected, it would, it, your work, it, like, I don't know, it just wouldn't, A, it's not realistic, but where's the fun in that? You know, where's the sort of, where's the tension? You need you to make good work, especially with creativity. You have to have some, some tension and creative and, and pressure, pressure meant diamonds. And I think that the hunger that if you're young and you're creative and, and you really want to own, own something, you've got to be prepared to go and, you know, put a decade into it in all honesty it's taken me i'm i wouldn't even say i'm at my full vision yet i think when the substack converts into a fully sustainable thing it's probably going to be about a decade since i started out on this venture to to be my vision was always i'm i don't want to do one minute of work that is not on my own terms and that was about a decade ago and i'm reaching it slowly so i think you got people got to be prepared to put in that time I've been able to do that because of certain benefits of my circumstance, but I do think that I have, there's certain decisions and certain actions I've made that maybe have made that successful, have made that strong, uh, which is exactly why I try and teach it as much as possible in, in my youth work. And, and yeah, when I teach writing, um, so yeah, being relentless, being not giving up is so important. Mm -hmm.